my marriage suffered, my, my wife left me, took uh, my daughter. I ended up with nothing. I ended up selling drugs. I ended up trying to survive. I couldn't, you know. I was low, I started taking the drugs. I was just a really low point at this point. I kind of tried fixing everyone else and then left in the gutter. I would go out for seven days drink for seven days and take drugs with no sleep, going from door to door, going from wherever I could go just to take more drugs. And the reality, the anxiety of actually coming around from that, going, <gasps> the fear of actually what has actually gone on in my life was frightening. So we would do it all over again. I would constantly do that. I had this emotional, uh, unstable borderline disorder, which is due to abandonment, neglect, abuse as a kid. So it's like, yeah, that's me, that's me. I know why this, I'm putting a label on this. I tick every box. And then that's where I, I, I reached out and got some help. Turning point, I need some help. Welcome to The Wellness Way with me, Philly J. Lay, a lay person's guide to your natural health systems. You're very... Hello, lovely people, and welcome to another episode of The Wellness Way. Today's story is so inspirational that I cannot really explain what this man has been through and what he has achieved. But for this reason, I'd like to put a trigger warning on it. Please don't listen to this episode in front of children. And I want you just to embrace his story as traumatic as it is and for it to give you hope. I'm going to introduce you to Manuel Bernages from the Athletic Minds Foundation, a charity that is doing remarkable work, not just in the UK, but now globally. Manuel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I don't know where to start with this. This kind of blew me out the water because I've had quite a lot of trauma in my life. And um, I think my audience know about it, but I've never come across a tale like this before. And I've never come across a tale like this before that has ended so remarkably well. And so this is an episode that's going to give people hope, but we've got to go deep first. Yeah. And thank you for being willing to share this story. Um, let's start. Yes. Where do we start? With your birth? Yeah, I suppose so. I think, I suppose so. I think I always get asked, where, where did it start? And I think it's from my earliest memory. So it's probably around when I was about four years old. Okay, so tell us about your parents, the house that you were born into. Right. okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we'll go back to when I was four years old. So this is my earliest memory. I don't really know much before then, and I don't really know much about other things. There's no pictures in my lifetime. We don't have any pictures of things or stories, uh, you know, and you'll know in regards to I, I don't really have anyone to ask about them things. Um, so yeah, I was four years old. Um, I was in my grandma's kitchen and my mum was there and my dad was there. And that was the last time I saw my dad. Um, what I believed, uh, my dad was leaving to go do his services. He was Spanish, um, didn't speak English very well. And he was going to, back to Spain to do his services in the army. And that was that. Um, and then following that, um, left my mother, uh, I had... Three, three brothers and sisters at that time, four brothers and sisters at that time. Um, and yeah, left us all there. And then that, I suppose that's where um, I don't really have any good memories. It's, it, that's, it basically hits into the trauma and just the kind of um, traumatic memories, I suppose. And I suppose the first ever memory from that memory of my father leaving was, was my mother. Um, 
taking overdoses, took an overdose, an ambulance come in, um, and we'd all been put into care. Uh, we all got split up. Uh, we put put into care, a care home, um, and looked after while my mum was um, yeah, in hospital. And then, yeah, that, that, that kind of happened quite regular. Uh, she was also an alcoholic, wasn't she? She was, yeah. Obviously, I, I wasn't aware of that uh, at that point. You know, being as a child, she, she, you know, she obviously drunk heavily. And, and that was led to the... Uh, that led to the uh, overdoses or my mum being very unwell with herself. Um, and yeah, that, that, that was a constant thing throughout my childhood, um, violence and, and, and alcohol and, um, and, and, and being put into care. So uh, yeah, I, re I remember uh, that's kind of all I remember, um, you know, and I, and I think from about five years old, I was put in a, a mental um, psychological hospital let's say it was, I, I used to soil myself from a, a young age, four or five years old. And I remember that, you know, my, my, my people around me, mothers, doctors said that I was mentally unwell. I shouldn't be doing this. And just to be really clear, they said you were mentally unwell yeah. because you soiled yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Having been through a lot <laughs> yeah. of trauma, it's, I, I find this extraordinary because I had Dr. Roger McFillan on the show about a year ago uh, and he worked in a child psychiatric hospital where people were just medicated. Yeah. Children yeah. were medicated from a very young age. But because you soiled yourself, they didn't go, what's wrong with this child? No. They said you had a mental health problem. Yeah, I, w I went into a, a canning unit in Leeds uh, along with a lot of other, uh, you know, uh, mentally ill children um uh, you know being in putting in into an environment then it was very scary you know taken away from my mother again um and put into this hospital where you know there was something wrong with me sorry to interrupt this podcast the wellness way has got a brand new interactive ebook out i've created a beginner's guide to your natural health systems to help you navigate through the jungle of natural health a banquet of knowledge wrapped up in a simple ebook featuring some of my top guests from the podcast. As an added bonus, I've even thrown in my meditation album, The Wellness Awakening, from past lives to passing. Head over to my webpage, phillyjlay.com, to grab your copy now. And while you're there, why don't you sign up for my newsletter? And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can continue to get this information out. Remember, the doctor of your future is you. You know, you believe it yourself that, you know, I was a very unhappy child. Uh, I, I was, you know, cried a lot. Um, and obviously I soiled myself. Uh, I can remember being in the hospital. I can remember being there. I can remember being around these other children. I can remember, you know, there was a lot of, you know, um, you know, things untoward what was going on around me. I just didn't really identify it at that time. Um, so, yeah, that so there was that. Um, going into that. Um, and uh, when you say there were things untoward going on around you? Just a lot of violence, a lot of heavy approach to to things uh, with the other children uh, and myself. I probably didn't realise at the time. Um, yeah. And I thought, yeah, I think that's that that was that was a, a, a memory when I was around five, six years old, being in that hospital 
And then, you know, I kept going back home. And then for some whatever reason it was, I kept going back into care. Um, I was, I, th I thought I was, a, uh, you know, for me, I thought I was a good child. You know, I love my mom. I want to protect my mom. I want to do anything, you know, because I used to see all these bad things happening to her. And she obviously really struggled with her life uh, for whatever reason that was at that point. She obviously really struggled. She came from a big, you know, notorious tough life herself and, and obviously she didn't have the tools to be able to to look after us you know she had other children to other people which obviously caused more stress Christmases was always tough because she'd spend that much time trying to get money to you know always to provide put give us presents and have presents and even I mean you know we was poor we was really poor you know we'd have rice and eggs and a tin of tomatoes for our dinner sometimes or sometimes when it was good we was you know she she could cook well but she you know she just she did her best for I suppose for what she thought she she was doing at that time you know having six children but just being unable to you know when 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 it got tough she she really struggled and you know, where probably way of dealing with it was, you know, drinking, violence and whatever that looked like to her. She she just... And when you say drugs, do you mean recreational drugs no, she, she, or medication? She, she, yeah, medication. My mum didn't take drugs. My mum was an alcoholic. She, she, she didn't smoke. She didn't take drugs. She was an alcoholic. She drunk constantly in the kitchen, wine, cider, whatever that was. Uh, she'd cry herself to sleep most nights. Um, and then she'd get ill if she wasn't, you know, I always remember mom being ill, sick, violently sick when she didn't, or being uh, unpleasant, um, you know, very moody, you know, if she wasn't, and she'd always revert back to drinking. I can never remember remembering when my mom didn't drink, a day that she didn't drink, or a day that she didn't drink, she was either unwell or, you know, uh, struggling in, in other areas. I want to come back to the mental um, home that you were put in for want of a better word. Yeah. I don't know what else to yeah, call it. Yeah. Institution. A unit, yeah. Unit. Um, the untoward stuff. Were you aware of sexual abuse going on? What were you aware of? No, I, it was a lot of violence there. There was a lot of just, just um, you know, kids getting thrown around, put into different rooms and stuff like that. Um, I, I suppose... You see, I've gone into different care homes and that was at a very young age, at five, I, I actually uh, went into a, a foster care for a while um, after, you know, when, in my early teens and um, that's, I was sexually abused in the, in the, in the care system. Um, two foster, two guys, um, two guys uh, and it was all the boys in the, in, it was a, a, a normal house, you know, a lovely house, lovely car uh, and, I can't, for whatever reason, my mum was struggling with me. Why, you know, why why I had to go into foster care uh, for some reason. It was just me. You know, I had many other brothers and sisters and for some reason... Oh, the others didn't go into not, foster not care? Not at this occasion. So my other, when, we, when we was kids, we did, but not well, not when I was a little bit older, uh, in my early teens. Um, I was putting, yeah, I was put into foster care. And it was, I really struggled with it, you know, because all, all, I, all I used to do, I used to have a, a milk round and two paper rounds, and I think I used to earn around £25 or something, but I'd share that with my mum and share that with my brothers and sisters to be able to kind of help. I remember going to school. We went to many, many, many schools, but going to school, and I used to just fall asleep in class because I'd be up at 
four, five o'clock doing a milk round and running around trying to, and a paper round just to try, you know, provide, I suppose. And I was I was a kid, you know, I was, you know, yeah, looking back yeah. at it, we didn't have a dad. We didn't we never had that. I was a kid. Um I think you know, the closest thing I had to a dad was a granddad that I occasionally visited and tried to look after. But he um, he had a stroke and died in front of me. Um, I was eleven years old. Oh my god! Yeah, and I know we've not we've not talked about this, but this, no. it goes on, and I suppose it's it's trying to find a, a line of of where it all started from the age of four going up to going into care. To being split up from seeing my mum taking overdoses and, and struggling with the life and then to putting a can of unit because I used to soil myself and obviously looking back at that we we all know that that boy needed attention and that he was get the bad attention he needed care. yeah he needed care and, and I think any attention if it was really bad getting told off screamed at shouted at um putting a care maybe it was attention it was attention um that I was getting but this this foster family. Yeah. So, so Let's this, so the timeline from this. there going up to there is it got to around, um, it got to where my mum was struggling at a certain point and put into foster care. Yeah. I put into foster care in another town through social services, I think, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, I put into this a nice family, uh, two guys. And it was a really weird setup. The guy, um, one was an older guy and one was a younger guy. The younger guy used to go out with the, older guy's daughter and they'd split and then they just they was lived together and there was fostering kids so there was another two boys when i was there uh, the younger guy was getting married to a moroccan lady um and so it all it all looked really all looked innocent and and, and 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 normal yeah and actually quite you know they had a nice house and we got looked after we ate well um uh, and and looking back to it, looking back into it is really tough um, to 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 understand what I know now. Uh, we was being groomed. Um, I we got we got took to Morocco. We drove down to Morocco um, as a trip, and we, it was amazing. You know, we was travelling. We was going in a car, and um, yeah. And then we we was we met the 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 guys. Uh, uh, potential new to be wife and family, um, and that's where it all started. Really, that's when I knew things wasn't wasn't as they should have been. I remember being out um, on an evening, and there was loads of young boys playing, Moroccan kids playing, and the guys um, sent us home, and they went missing uh, with you know some of these young children. So, and, and it just back then it was strange. And then during that trip, because it was a long trip, it was around five, six weeks we was down there. Um, you know, um, that's kind of where things started happening to, well, me. I don't know what happened to the other boys. Um, but, you know, coming into my room when in the night time and, you know, things happening while I was asleep and I had to pretend to be asleep. Uh, I was just frightened and, and I just pretended to be asleep all the way through things that was happening. Uh, and, um, and then... But then that's when it kind of we we came back to 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 the house and town, and then it kept happening. It kept happening through the time, and then it was kind of being normalised. It, it made it to feel like normal. And I remember running away, um, running away from the house. I remember crying my eyes out 
just running as fast as I could, getting away. I made, it, it was like a, bolt, a dog running away from a house. That's, I, I noticed the door open a jar and that was my opportunity. And I got away and I was chased and dragged back into the car. And if I was going to tell anybody this, you know, that did all, you know, because I've, no one loved me, no one wanted me anyway. They want, you know, I was put there for a reason. No one's going to believe me. So I've got to start tapping. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm so. I've not really spoke about this to anybody. Uh, yeah. I've not really. This. Yeah, and I, not, yeah. I can't thank you enough yeah. for sharing this yeah. because, you know, a lot of people just don't imagine that this really happens and how no, bad no, no. it can be and the terror that you must have felt it through was. that grooming process and, and being unloved and uh, unwanted and um, this trauma um, is quite overwhelming. But it gets worse. It gets worse, yeah. It gets much it gets worse. worse. So. It gets much worse, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, I, I eventually, for some, I eventually, eventually got out of that um, that care home, went back to my mum. I never spoke a word to anybody, nobody, of what had happened. I was always ashamed of myself anyway. I was embarrassed. Um I've always been embarrassed. I was bullied at the school, um, you know, from and you different schools. To a lot of a schools, lot of schools yeah, of all yeah. The different care homes, all different and... care homes, lots of different times. Mom moved away; she couldn't settle, and and yeah. So, you know, I was kind of isolated. Didn't really have friends. Um, that because didn't really fit in anywhere you know we was quite poor uh, as children I had a name like Manuel and looking back it was quite you know funny uh, you know when I look back now but watching Faulty Towers and, and if anyone knows what Faulty Towers is <laughs> it's a it's a it's an, a Spanish guy a program where the guy got you know slapped and, and, and shouted at a lot and he was quite a silly man and and I, and I got put you know, there was no one called Manuel back as when I was a kid. So, and I was quite small, poor. So, yeah, it was a tough childhood. Really, 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 really tough. I can't even describe, you know, I watch children today and I watch, I've got two daughters myself and it's, 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 it was tough. It was really tough. And, you know, I didn't have a mom and dad to go back to, to, to cry or to get comforted. My mom just struggled, you know, I can't remember anything but kind of trauma. Um, so that was like my life. And then, yeah went into foster caring. And then your best friend? Well, before that, obviously, I moved to my uh, my uncle. Uh, I moved into my uncle's uh, house. Uh, and your mum had instigated Yeah, this, yeah. So so obviously, in. I'd gone into... We've got to kind of keep on track. I know that there's a lot to try to get in, but, um, yeah, uh, after foster care, because this is quite significant to why, the, why I, I kind of changed and knew we lived in a bad world, you know, um, from the sexual abuse, I'd I'd uh, gone back home and my mum had, um, I didn't finish school. Uh, I was I think I was around thirteen, fourteen, fourteen, thirteen, fourteen, and my mum uh, made me go live with my uncle in another town. Uh, my uncle was quite notorious uh, for violence and uh, heavy violence, you know. Previous, he was a bit of a gangster. Yeah, yeah. Previously, it had been on uh, on the news. My one of my uncles got shot dead in a pub uh, through a kind of a gang um, war kind of thing, uh, and he was shot dead. And you know that was on the news, quite public on the news. There was a, a shootout in uh, some in some 
uh, pubs and one of my, my uncles where my mum said I was going to live, you know, that w I was going to live with this man who was obviously new, was quite violent, in and out of prison all the time. Um, and she said, you're going to live with him. You're going to teach how to be a man. I was like terrified, absolutely terrified. And you were 14 years uh, old. Yeah, I was 14 years old. Um, I was terrified. Uh, I remember going to, to see him and he, he run a shop and I, I, I'd seen immediately seen some violence straight away you know a man came in with a, a, a dog a german shepherd and one of my uncle's fellow mobster gangsters whatever you want to call them friends uh, jumped over a counter and started biting a dog's uh, ears off and and i was like shit yeah that's that's that was instant that was the instant thing of like where am i what, what and i was terrified instantly from that moment and i had to just uh, get through every day and, and every day was tough. Um, I was fed drugs. Um, I was burying drugs. I, I, they, I, I, was bur I remember burying 10,000 ecstasy tablets at one point um, for my what, uncle. to hide them? For, 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 no, burying them for my uncle in a graveyard because that's what I was doing. I was fed drugs and, and given drugs and, and chopped up drugs to, to all, him and all his friends. And, you know, I was burying drugs for them to, to, to place them places. You know, I was, a, I was a kid. I didn't know I had a clue what I was doing. You know, I was terrified um, of, you know, I just given drugs, stay up all weekend, whatever that might have been. Um, amphetamine, ecstasy tablets, cocaine. Um, I was, you know, I was given anything um, just to just to work, and that was just to work, just to stay up and and work. Um, so I was put into this world immediately to like from that to being very vulnerable to like I've got to kind of, you know, toughen up whatever that looked like and um, and see all these horrendous things from, you know, I remember once you know coming in the kitchen and my uncle was just waiting with a, a knife and walked in and I got stabbed straight in the head. You know what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was it was just over something and nothing. Um, I was just stood there and he's washing up and he pulled out a knife out of the washing out, out, the, out the sink and just went in my head and, and my head just split and 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 that was that and and that was a regular occurrence. I'd, I'd turn up there. I'd, I'd I'd I would live with my uncle for five years because imagine living like that for five years so I, sometimes he would come home and he'd be so drunk that he'd forget to his keys and i'd open the door and he'd be just waiting there with a with a, an axe or with a like a car jack and i'd be beaten to to pulp and i suppose the worst thing about it in the morning he wouldn't remember he'd done it or he said he, he, he couldn't remember doing it he, he would deny every element that he did it and um and that was that made me like like he called me a liar and you're lying. I didn't do that. Someone else must have done that. And it was all the time. And you know, he even put it that he even came to a point where he said I was I was the one that could calm him down. You know, and it was it was looking back, it was pretty messed up. You know, the mental torture that not just the physical, the mental torture that actually it was all my fault that yeah. that was happening. I was imagining all of this, you know, I'd seen people being raped, I'd seen people, you know, lock the doors, I've seen people, you know, being violently, you know, beaten, almost killed. Um, I've seen dogs, I've seen my own dog being harpooned in the head and, and, and you know, I've been there where my uncle's made me beg for mercy to call him a king, he's the king, he's the king, and to go on, on my hands and knees. Um, so and was there anyone you could go to? No, 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 I was, I lived with him, I couldn't go to anybody. He was one of the kind of, you know, 
hardest people, scariest people around, you know. So how could I go to anybody? I was, I, I lived with him. I, I was, there was nowhere else to go. I was and a you kid. were also being gaslit. I, 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 and I was a kid, you know, I was a kid. You know, I, I'd been kidnapped in gang wars. I'd been kidnapped. Uh, I was, I remember being 16 years old. I'd been kidnapped, um, you know, in a war, in a fight, in a big fight. And I'd been kidnapped in a car. Um, I got took and I got stamped on my, uh, stamped on, beaten by these other gang members with, took all my claws off me and left me for dead in the middle of the road. You know, I, I would been put in so many, so many vulnerable situations and scary situations. I was just, um, I, I had a stutter. I had a nervous stutter and, you know. I'm I, not surprised you had a nervous uh, stutter. I had, all of, <laughs> I had all of these things that, all these things that had gone from that to this. And I had to just get on with it, you know, and learn, learn pretty fast. So yeah, and the, the only way of me getting out of that is I had to run away. I ran away when I was, uh, I think it was around 16, 16, 17, um, and ran away. I got a train as far as I possibly could go. And where did you go? Somerset, I went to Somerset, okay. and that's as far as I could get on a train. I remember having this bit of money in, and that's as far as it could take me. And I had nowhere to sleep. I slept in a car park. I remember Sainsbury's car park. I was slept in there. So yeah, I was slept uh, in there for, for days, I think weeks. I'd just get up and go for walking around the streets, asking for jobs, going into shops, going anywhere, just trying to, you know, trying to get work. I had no skills, no, nothing. Just, I was just willing to do anything that I possibly could. Um, and then I eventually got a job I called it Tone Vale. It was a it's a mental hospital. As it happens, they was knocking it down, um, and I got a job at, at demolition on there. You know, working with a, a gang that had come down, um, and and yeah, I worked on there for a bit. So I got out of that situation, and I was into kind of this kind of new kind of situation where I was working as a, a young kid. Then, um, yeah. And at what point in your life you saw your best friend? Oh. You found your best friend. Yeah, who committed suicide. Um, you found him swinging, yeah, swinging. yeah. Uh, then your brother, yeah. So this, from so a drug this, so overdose, that so. was a kind of so from that working. That was that was the end of my childhood trauma. Let's say that was that was a, once I'd run away, started a new life. I can't, you know, that was the end. I put an end to it. I ran away from it. I started again. I got a job packing boxes and and I progressed in life from there. Um, and I wanted to kind of. You know, I had a goal in my head to get married, have two kids, have the house, 2.4 children, and that'll be it. I'm, I'm, I'm a grown-up. I'm a real man, and, and someone's going to love me. I'm going to love them. You know, all of them things that, you know, every person's dream. It, it, you know, I didn't want a, a, a job or a profession. I just wanted to be loved, and, and, and I, so I set out. To I, I'm just going to interrupt you there yeah. for a moment because that in itself is extraordinary because the amount of limiting beliefs you must have had yeah. put on yourself that yeah. you weren't good enough you weren't you know strong yeah. enough you weren't worthy you were powerless all those limiting beliefs but the fact that you still believed with yeah. all of your heart that you could be love is a, a testament to the power that was within you and i just want to take a moment to recognize that because that's extraordinary yeah yeah. Carry on. No, I think I think you're right there, oh. Philly. I think from a kid, you know, always from a, a child or from a small child, I always remember everything that was going bad, even from my granddad dying, even from all of these elements, the lowest points is all these bad people doing all of these things and taking advantage. 
I said, oh, there's got to be, there's got to be something. I've got this. I loved everybody with every bean of my heart. I loved my mom with every bean of my heart. I loved my brothers and sisters. I loved everybody, and I just wanted everybody to be well and happy. And 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 all I'd ever seen is sadness. And all I'd hoped for is that. And I, I, you know, if that was doing a paper round or making someone smile by doing something stupid, you know, I was always that person to try to do that, even though I was dying inside. Um, so I think. Um, yeah, going back to this adult life now, I'm, I'm in a new life, this new cycle that I was having, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to love somebody and I'm going to make, you know, everything that I've got, I'm going to, I'm going to give that to somebody and I'm good. And hopefully I'll get that back and I'm going to have children and that, that they'll, and, and they'll love me and I'll love them and all of these things. And so, yeah, I kind of got on that, I kind of, I kind of got there, you know, without any experience, uh, you know, we'll skip a few years now. I'm 26 years old. Um, and I feel all right, you know, I feel all right, I feel good, um, I'm, I'm working, I'm now a landscape gardener, I've got my own business, I don't know how I got it, but I got there and I got my own house, um, just got a mortgage and I've got my, and I'm, I'm engaged and I'm just about to have a, I just have a child, um, 2006, um, October and my daughter was born, uh, Alandra, she was, uh, yeah, she was everything, you know, beautiful, beautiful baby. Um, and then I thought that was it, you know, we was leading up to Christmas. We've made it, we've got, we've got there, we've got there, we've got everything now. I've got there, you know, I've got the, the, the wife, the potential wife, I've got my daughter, I've got a house, I've got a job, I'm, I've made something in my life. Um, I still wasn't internally really happy. I knew something was amiss at that point, um, but I was, you know, uh, materialistically I was there I was on the right road and all of that work and you know it was paying off and then yeah uh, got to a month later um, and uh, my friend he lived at the apartment below me I spent a lot of time with him um, we did a lot of stuff together um, and he was my partner's cousin as well but he bought the apartment below I bought the apartment above and then one day he'd just gone missing um, and um couple of days it got a little bit where we were all really wondering and I just had this really really awful feeling inside if something could be wrong um got the keys got the keys off the landlord um and went into the house his apartment um noticed you know uh, the lights on and went down to the cellar uh, and yeah it was my, my friend was there hanging um <laughs> Yeah, um, just Christ. there, and I tried to um, I tried to pull him off. It was wet and cold, and yeah, it was really tough to you know. I've never seen anything, and I screamed. My 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 partner was outside, and I screamed as soon as I found him. I screamed just like uh, just a heart wrenching scream, and my partner I could hear, I always remember uh, my partner screaming outside. She must have known when I screamed. Um, getting emotional. I'm thinking right now. Um, I'm getting emotional. Yeah, at I, that point. I so. don't know how you're telling the story, and I'm so yeah. Sorry sometimes you say it, and he's like a robot at saying it. But yeah, and I remember. I think it's just going back to um, my partner. She was with the baby, um, and she knew as soon as I screamed. Um, and yeah, it was. It 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 hung himself. Do you need to pause for a moment? No, no, I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. And then yeah, I think I really struggled with that. I really struggled with that. Realized we 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 been um kind of done on the apartment um i tried to sell it I, 
you know, try to get yeah, another. I mean, the yeah, of living there. yeah. I tried to get another house, uh, rent another house, and sell this house, and and it didn't work. When I actually bought the house, I was kind of didn't have any knowledge about mortgages or houses. And my friend obviously knew uh, who committed suicide. That we'd been kind of robbed on the houses. We'd been oversold it. So actually, when it came to selling the house, it was undervalued by a hundred thousand, and I, I owed a hundred thousand pound. So I was quickly in trouble. Um, and trying to trying to navigate out of that um, by having another house, I kind of lost myself. I started drinking heavily uh, in drugs. I couldn't really get rid of the vision um, of my friend. Didn't really know how to deal with that death um, and really struggled with it where it became a really problem, a real problem where I was just constantly out weekends, leaving my partner, leaving my new child, unborn, you know, born child, um, neglecting that because I couldn't really deal with what had gone on. Um, uh, and then, yeah, my partner, she left me um, because of my, you know, what was going on. She couldn't be around it, took the baby away, went to another town where I quickly got my arse into gear and, you know, I knew I needed to kind of, you know, not be like that, change, you know, stop drinking for a certain amount of time to kind of realise what was going on and moved to another town where my partner had gone with my daughter and started again, started again, started a new life, you know, let's let's get through this, let's, you know, let's put that to bed, you know, we're still grieving about uh, Dean. It, it was really tough, but let's, we've got my daughter there, we've, we, we're going to get married, we're going to do that. We start a new, new, uh, new, new life together in York, um, where we got married. Uh, oct it was in September 2010, 2008, sorry, September 2008. Um, things were looking good. My daughter's uh, two years old. Uh, she's, you know, and yeah, um, I thought that we're it. We, 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 we're on we've the road. We, we've got, we've got there again. We've, we've come it. through that. Um, I pulled myself out of that, um, and then yeah. Um, my family's always struggled. My mom's always struggled, obviously. You know, my brothers and sisters has always struggled with their lives and, and, and things. So I remember um, my mom calling me saying, your brother's, you, we just found a suicide note from your brother, my youngest brother, my youngest brother. We found a suicide note. Can you help? Can you, can you? And I was like, oh, I'm frightened to death. You know, I'm going to lose my brother. You know, right, I'm going to get you up. Come and live with me. I didn't tell him I found, my, we knew about this suicide note. Anyway, my brother came, he worked for me. I had a business going at that time and all of that. So it was, you know, for a, a month or so, he was living with me and, you know, I kind of was watching over him. And then my mom rang again. Um, I was in a supermarket and I just remember mom ring, crying and screaming, saying my brother stopped breathing. My other brother, my second brother, uh, youngest brother, he'd stopped breathing. Jonathan, he was called. Jonathan's not breathing, he's on the floor. Paramedics are there and I'm like, what is going on? Like, mum, are you drunk again? What are you talking about? She used to drink me, ring me, you know, in drunken episodes. Didn't make sense a lot of times. Sometimes, you know, I was hard to try fix things. And yeah, they they lived at the other end of the country. So I couldn't get any straight answers. Uh, I, I managed to pick my other brother up and drove straight down, straight down there. And all the way, I was just kept ringing. Please, is he there? Is he there? She went, they're going to take him. Uh, they're going to take him, they want to take him. I'm going, what do you mean? Just keep him there, please keep him there. Um, and then, yeah, he uh, got down there and uh, they didn't, he, uh, they went to the morgue, he was in the morgue, he was dead. 23 oh years God. old, um, he stopped breathing. There was no explanation around it. He'd just gone to sleep in the house, heavily breathing. My mum was there drunk, uh, as she would be, and he didn't wake up. Oh, 
it turns out he, it was an accidental overdose. He'd helped somebody and he'd drunk some methadone and he didn't, he, 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 he didn't wake up and yeah, he died. And the same night I'd gone to the morgue, back to my mum. My mum was in bed, drunk, crying. You know, this is the same day my brother died. We just got down there, five hour drive. It was so traumatic. Didn't really know what was going on. And my mum just called me to the bedroom and said, look, I've got some hard news. I've got six months to live. You're going to have to take care of everybody. So, yeah, it was uh, tough. I'm... Tough. I'm struggling for words. Yeah, tough. Yeah, it was tough. really know what to say. And I find it... I mean, sorry, just doesn't suffice. No. Um, but I'm going to ask you how you felt when your mum told you you had six... She had six months to, to live. Yeah. And she asked you to look after everybody. And you said earlier that you were the one putting care. You were the one doing the paper round and the milk round. Yeah. How did you feel that she had asked you to take over the running of the family? Was there um, anger or bitterness? Or were you actually grateful that you were being asked something of? Yeah, it, well, it was disbelief. It was disbelief that my mum was actually, she, she would put that on me. Um, that I wasn't really prepared what she was going to say that day. I was still in shock with my brother. I didn't even believe that my brother had died until I actually saw him in the morgue. And then actually she was putting this on me. I was angry. I was angry that I was angry with her that she was putting this on me at this time that she made it about her and that she was using yeah. this time to, to, to use it about her rather than the loss of my brother. And, and, let and, you it, grieve. and it was so tragic, you know, that was, that was so tragic. And and I kind of blame myself as well because if at any time you need to no, stop it's fine. I'm I'm, I'm it's fine. It's probably good that sometimes I do cry because sometimes it, we 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 I, because I'm I, I you know I have grieved. I've dealt with a lot of this grief, but still going back to the times, it's upsetting to put yourself in that scenario. What was going on right then and that boy that I was and you know the pressure that I was under and just you know just the sadness around it all that me you know. Why, why me? Why do I have to do this after all that I was going through, that I'd gone through? And yeah, I had to take it on myself because I was the fixer. I was the fixer. I've always been the fixer. No matter what had happened, I'd want everyone to be happy. I'd try fix everybody and I'd try mend everybody, no matter, you know, if that was putting myself last or putting pressure on my marriage or whatever that might be. Um, I was just that person and so I was angry with her. I was angry, and I was and disbelief because being an alcoholic, living with an alcoholic, is tough. My mum's partner was an alcoholic. You know, I brought up around an alcoholic, and my sister's an alcoholic, and they lie, and it's and it and it's tough to be around. So I wasn't sure if this is the truth, and or if this was being made around her. If I'm going to be completely honest, I'm not. No one's ever asked me that question. Um, and I don't think I've gone into this depth with it, with it, but yeah, I think I was just in disbelief and I didn't want to deal with that. I was angry with her um, and yeah, but I tried to fix her. I, I brought my brother up. We got my brother buried in in my in the town where I was. My brother had two babies as well. You know, that was really sad. Um, and yeah, brought him up to get buried and I tried fixing my mom. I tried protecting her. I remember that Christmas because it was in November the 22nd, my brother died, um, 2008. And I remember that Shit, Christmas. And then you've got to go into Christmas and. Yeah, well, brought and my mum. How, how old were his babies? 
Do oh. they have any recollection of this? No, they don't. I've recently, con- we 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 connected now. You know, now I'm better, and uh, but they don't have recollection of it. One's twenty and one's eighteen. And my brother passed in two thousand and eight. So yeah, you can do the maths. It was it was very young, um, and yeah, I. Uh, I, I, I tried fixing my, try fixing everybody. Brought my mom, all my brothers. I, I was newly married in this house. Uh, I just set up a business selling Christmas trees, and that didn't go to plan because November the twenty second. That's why I brought all these trees in. That business didn't go well. Um, uh, money. I was a landscape gardener. Money wasn't coming in. My brother just died. I spent all this money bringing him back up. You know, try fixing my mom, and she got really ill that Christmas. She stayed with us. And she got really ill and uh, you get um, psoriasis of uh, the liver and she swelled up like a balloon. Her eyes went yellow or all went yellow and we thought that was it. She was going to die. I took her to the hospital New Year's Eve and yeah, she was going to die. And actually um, they did all this work on her um, and said, look, she can she can live. She can live if she, if she stops drinking. And I knew this. The doctor said this to me. I'd be there. She can live at this point. You know, this is a massive warning. Um and um you know just do your best with her and i did i tried and i probably keep you know ruined a lot around me by trying keeping her alive at that point my, my marriage suffered my, my wife left me took uh, my daughter um and um i i end up with nothing um my mom um i end up selling drugs i end up trying to survive i couldn't you know uh, I was low, I started taking the drugs, um, I was just a really low point at this point. Um, I kind of tried fixing everyone else and then left in the gutter, um, where I was quiet for quite a bit. Um, my partner had a, an affair, um, I really struggled with that, you know, because obviously I, I neglected her to to fix everybody, to fix else, everybody and, else, and then it ended up with nothing, um, and yeah, and then... That was that went on for quite a while, and then I think around two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, lifted back out of that hole that I got in, got back with my wife, started again, got a new house, uh, got got a house, and we. Um, the and fact we, that you can still have a smile <laughs> just, on your face, you know, like I'm a nervous wreck here. My chest is absolutely fucking numb. Um, I'm tapping away. I. It's, I it, 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 yeah. find this extraordinary. It's crazy because I'm just going because it's it's a, there's a story and because what happens is if you look back into the all of it from the very beginning, I come back and then I go back and then something happens and then we still got to go a little bit. But this is the thing, I got I came back from that somehow came back from that you know and reinvented myself and right I'm gonna gonna get this sorted to stop drinking stop drugs stop doing all of that I'm gonna really and and I think every element of it is I had to stop looking at myself and it was like uh it was like torturing myself being in locking myself in a room going oh this is you this is you you know you need to fix this you need to stop doing this and I'd have all of them moments and go through all this really traumatic time blaming myself and blaming myself and then come out of it clean not drinking not drugs and right i've got to fight i've got to fight I've got to fight for my children i've got to fight for my wife i've got to fight for you know it was never about me it was about for everybody else and so i, I i'm gonna get her back i'm gonna win her back and then i did and then i, I built up um again got bit the business up got a car got a lovely house we rented a lovely house and we was gonna have my second daughter um so it was really going into 2010 uh quite well um and then um I was 30, 30 years old, and my mum 
my mum was really drinking, you know, severely. And now where it came a problem, because I knew that if she can't continue, she was going to die. Mm. So she, my mum had given up on herself. And what was really tough is watching my other brothers and sisters, they'd be all drinking with her in the house and I'd turn up to the house and everyone would hide the beers and I was the bad one, you know, going up his ear and we'd hide everything and it was really tough to see. And my mum had quit quite angry with me coming to a point where my uncles were in the house my other uncles smoking not the uncle that no uh, but, yeah you. smoking crack doing all sorts taking advantage oh, from a from an outsider i was like an outsider i wasn't like a son i was like this enemy that they hit that they didn't like um because i was i just wanted her to live and everybody just coming you know coincided with her and, and, and continued to just support this drinking and and I obviously saw she was dying I knew she continued she was going to die so I made a decision not to go um, not to take my daughter because I thought that would stop her I know she loved my daughter um, and a couple of weeks later um, I got a call I was in a garden and my brother was screaming and said mom's dead she's on her bed and I drove up there very quickly and yeah she was dead on the bed and I think that was the hardest, hardest death I'd ever had to deal with because Dean finding Dean hanging was really tough to find anyone. And you think, you know what it's like to lose somebody. Your brother, who you're supposed to look after and love and everything and protect, he died. And then your mom, who all you wanted is love and to yeah. say that she loved you and proud of you. It's like, and I was never going to get that. She was never going to be able to say that. And I think. I think Did she ever tell you? Never, you? ever, ever. And I think that was the tough, really tough thing for me. I never got to, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to protect her because I'd seen how much she'd gone through in her life. And, you know, I never once blamed her for whatever happened to me because she had such a tough life. And even looking at it now, she was so unhappy and so sad and she didn't know how to get out of it. And that's the thing. She didn't, and all she wanted to do is die. She had that much guilt. She, about my brother, she gave up on life and the only way she could escape it is drinking and, and that's all she ever knew. And, you know, and I hope no one ever thinks ill of my mother how I'm speaking. It's, it's because, you know, this is what I do, why I do what I do today is to help people, to guide them, to, to understand what their impact is on their children or, or to themselves. Um, so yeah, she died, and, and, and there is a saying: "Hurt people, hurt people." Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, and I think what happens, what happened there is that was my that was my got downward spiral from that moment. Uh, I remember going on a. I was supposed to go on a holiday. It was my thirtieth birthday. It was my friend's stag day. We were supposed to be going away, and my wife said, "Look, just go." You know, you know, just go and, and we'll figure it all out when you get back. My mom's funeral was, happened and then I was went away. And I remember when, it, with the lads, it was like you drunk at a top shelf of the cold and it was like a, a spirit from each like drink. It was a shot from each drink. And I remember a, a pint, I had a pint of spirit and I don't think you're ever supposed to just drink it all like that, but I did. I drank it all in one and I had a gram of Coke and that was it, that feeling of numbness, that feeling of going, I can't feel anything, I can't think of anything. This is just, and that was me. From that moment, I knew that was me. That was that was the, how I was gonna, wanted to feel nothing, nothingness from everything because it stopped. All the thinking, all the grief, all the, everything that I felt, all the fear, 
all of it, it's just stopped by just drinking that one pint of shots and having that gram. And then um, I never went home. I couldn't go home from that moment. You never went home? I never went home. I came back to the UK and the reality of actually going home to my family, to my pregnant wife, to my child, to realise that I'd lost my mum and everything else and then all the childhood trauma started thinking, I'm not right. Things have not been right for a long time. And 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 then the drinking and the drugs, I would just go to anywhere where we, I would go out for seven days, drink for seven days and take drugs with no sleep, going from door to door, going from wherever I could go just to take more drugs. And the reality, the anxiety of actually coming around from that, going, <gasps> the fear of actually what has actually gone on in my life was frightening. So we would do it all over again. I would constantly do that and take And was drugs. there a lot of shame? Oh, shame doesn't cut it. You know, I had a pregnant wife at home. I had a, a, do I had a, 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 a young daughter um, and I didn't even turn up for my second daughter being born. Um, she, she was born then, I went out that night and I was supposed to pick my wife up from the hospital uh, and daughter, and I couldn't do it. I sent a car there to pick a taxi. I was on a, I was on a floor drugged out of my head I couldn't deal with I just couldn't deal with it but were you um when I ask if there's shame uh, and I'm really struggling I'm not mm. gonna lie with this interview yeah. I've never done anything yeah. quite so traumatic in my <laughs> life and I thought I'd done a lot of trauma um were you aware enough to feel the shame yes I I think I just hit it I just I do all I did because no one, not even the friends that I had at this point, people around me, you know, nobody could talk me out of it. I was going to the deepest, darkest dungeons with people that I shouldn't be around just to be okay. able to continue drinking and taking the drugs. You know, all my friends at that time, I had people that really cared about me. You know, at that point, I, uh, you know, a family took, my, took me in in my 20s and there was like father and mother figure to me and, you know, nobody could deal with me. Nobody, I couldn't, I was just running away from everything, running away as, as much as I could. So you're sitting there in front of me now, this regular guy, a little bit more than a regular guy, actually. Um, what was... The turning point. What happened? Yeah, I, I get give it. us the hope. Yeah, I will take do. Take us on the journey. I will do. Yeah, I can't take any no, more trauma. I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think what you've got to look at every element is a turning point. Every element is a turning point, and it's really hard to look at it and say, well, when when did it? When was the moment? But every moment, every death, every coming out of that is a turning point to the big turning point where you get that sick of yourself. So you'll do with something and then something and then something and then you get back to that and you'll go back to that. And I think if you look at the story, we keep going really back to the beginning, but even worse and it's, it gets worse and it keeps getting worse and it gets worse from there. You know, it got to the point where my children was taken away from me um, because I was unable to be, deal with life and that was for two years and that, you know, from anything that I'd wanted in my lifetime is to be a dad, a family man and not put anyone through that and, yeah, yeah, not my children. Like. And you actually, as much as I want to talk about what you're doing now, we do have to cover the fact that you seriously contemplated suicide. I, I, yeah, I, I took my, I did, I, I took my own, I did take my own life. Um, I went to take my life. I took a number of tablets. I ended up, uh, when it got to a certain point where my children got took, I got into trouble with the police. Um, and that was the, that was the turning point of this is where it needs to end. Uh, this is this. I am causing that much damage. I cannot carry on. I can't go through this another day of living with me. Because how bad does it have to get? 
how bad does it have to get for me to... And the only way I could think of it, which I just want to really explain this for anybody that's struggling with their life and what to do within it, because I was in a really tough time with losing my friend. I'd not just lost him, I'd lost countless of friends to suicide countless of friends to suicide so i know what trauma that had happened to their families because i was around it you know yeah. i found my friend and knew what it did to people i knew what it did to me i knew what it did to everybody else i knew what it did to my my wife and uh, children so i was in that predicament as much as i hated me my life and the shame and everything that i carried i had a battle with myself to keep alive but wanting to kill myself every day I looked in that mirror and wanted to die and I couldn't. And the only way I could try to do it is drink and take drugs as much and it'd be an accident and it'd be an accident and it'd be an accident and then no one will judge me for trying to take my lives and they'll all just... They'll Which all... is basically what your mum did. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. I've never even looked at it like that, Philly. Yeah. I've never looked at it like that. Um, I'm not on, and, and you're right, you're right. And I think that turning point is... So it, come, it came to a really tough point of me where I, I actually, I wanted to take my life... Um, as a kid, I tried taking my life quite often, but not to take my life. It's because I used to see my mum take a life. I've tried to take my life, just like the soiling. I'd take my life, I'd take tablets, and then I'd be in hospital and I'd get attention. Yeah. And then that would be that. And I'd, and I'd done that quite often. If you look at my medical records, probably tried taking my life countless of times as a kid, but not intentionally to, to not be here anymore. Um, and then as a, I was, um, yeah, I, when I actually decided after everything, after all that, you know, um, all of the trouble, losing my kids at that point, um, losing everybody, it was time for me. I was at peace with it. I was at peace. I was at peace. I was wanted by the police. I remember it was like, it just cannot get any worse at this point. The, 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 there's nothing now. This is it now. This is come, I've come to the end of the road and I was at peace with it. And I remember getting a bottle of vodka and getting a load of sleeping tablets and a load of other different kinds of medication that I could find. I think it was around two, 200, 300 tablets that I took at that time. I was just taking handfuls and putting them down and swig of vodka and then another handful and swigging of vodka and crying my eyes out. And it wasn't like a cry, it was just a cry of like peace. I just wanted to get it done with. I drove um, to my brother's grave and my mom, my brother there, my mom there, my granddad there and my uncle there all together. And I just sat there and I cried and I cried and I took all these tablets and I had this bottle of vodka. And then that was it. I was gone. Um, I was gone. Uh, I woke up two, three days later. I was, I remember waking up in a hospital. I looked at the side of me and there was police at either side all surrounding me. And um, yeah, uh, I woke up and I just... And that's to, because you were wanted by the police. Because I wanted so... by the police, yeah. Uh, and they was waiting for me to wake up so they could arrest me. Um, and I was... I just remember tears rolling down my eyes and I thought, oh, God, I can't even do this right. I can't even kill myself. And now I've got myself in this trouble and this trouble and I'm in this trouble. Um, yeah, and that was that. That was a massive kind of... I've got, a, I've got a... This is the lowest point of my life right now. Everyone's died. I've tried to kill myself. I've now lost my kids, my wife, my family, everything. You know, I'm getting divorced, all of this stuff. And I'm in the bottom, bottom of, of my, the bottom. Is, you can't go any lower than I was. I lost my business. And I had to walk. I remember coming from the hospital and walking through the town, you know. Um, and just thinking, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And somehow I climbed out of that hole I was in. I climbed out of it bit by bit, step by step. 
Um, and that's when I started to really, you know, look at myself and change it all around. But this time I kind of knew I got diagnosed with a mental illness. I, went, I got diagnosed, it all made sense. Um, I had this emotional, uh, unstable borderline disorder, which is due to abandonment, neglect, abuse as a kid. So it's like, yeah, that's me, that's me. I know why this, I'm putting a label on this. I tick every box. Do you think it was helpful to you having a label? Because I, I very I, I, I w <laughs> often wonder whether by labelling people were actually compacting to what's going on yeah. or for you was it a relief uh, it was a relief so i'll, I'll explain to you because i i always have this I, I say this as well i would never i would n labels don't do anything because they limit you to who yeah. you, they limit you they do. and 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 we we have that a lot but at that point of where i was it was a relief that i was you know that because i used to think what's wrong with me what is wrong with me? Why do I end up in this position? Why am I always end up back here? Why can I never make it past this point? Why, 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 why? But actually, I've been diagnosed with this mental illness now, and I'm actually mental. I can say it, I'm mental. It's all right, because I'm mental. So it's all due to something. I never knew as a kid that there was, because of all that happened to me, that I'd, I'd have something wrong as an adult. But actually, it all makes sense that there's something wrong with me that all of these things that have gone wrong is because I've, I've had all these things going on as a kid and growing up. So my brain is wired differently to anybody else's or people's brains. So at that point, yes, it helped me to, but then it limited me. I got put on antidepressants. I got put on a waiting list. And I thought I was, when I got diagnosed, I was going to get seen straight away. I got... Uh, and this is with the National Health? Yes, National Health, UK. yeah. I was, I was going to get some help, 20 sessions of psychotherapy. And that was it. I thought, right, that's me. I, I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to navigate out of this and I'm going to be better and I can be a dad again and I can be this good person and I can live this life in my head. That's what I was going to do. But Sick. that wasn't the reality. Mm -hmm. Three years down yeah. the line, you yeah. still hadn't been seen. Three years, it, it got to the point where I was ringing every day. I was begging, pleading for help. I was suicidal again. Uh, I was putting antidepressants, but then I was taking drugs and alcohol because the antidepressants would take the edge off the, the depression. And I'd, so I'd take more drugs. It was, a, you know, it was, a, it was just a, a chaotic spiral of destruction. Um, and then that's where I, I, I reached out and got some help. Turning point, I need some help. Yellow Pages, looking into the Yellow Pages, found part-time therapist, and this therapist was willing to help me, and, and that's where that's where it all started. That's where they, it started to, right, okay. Holy crap. I, yeah. I, I don't really know what to say, and so um, I'd like to ask you if you could stay on and do another episode with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so much <laughs> that I want yeah, to cover. yeah. yeah with your remarkable story yeah. going forward and what you've done. But I need a five minute break. I don't know about you guys, but I just need to breathe for a moment because yeah. I'm triggered to hell. Um, you're triggered to hell. So I'd like to give you a hug. Um, and um, I'd like you to come back next week, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we're going to talk about the rebuild of Manuel. This is a story like I've never had to record before, and bloody hell, I've done some tough ones. So, um, is that okay with you yeah, to yeah. come back? Yeah, of course it is, yeah. For today's episode of The Wellness Way, thank you for being here. Go and tap. Any of you suffering at the moment who are triggered by this, if any of this is, is really hitting a nerve with you and you feel you need some help, then we're going to put a helpline 
in the show notes. Go to any of my podcasts. Go to the uh, podcast with Dr. Roger McFillin. Um, do my tapping podcast, any of my tappers. There's a lot of help you can get out there. And uh, please come and join us next week and see this remarkable, remarkable turnaround. And um, we're going to continue this story. Thank you so much for being here, Manuel. I have no words. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. From the bottom of my heart, I'm going to give you a hug. Yeah. <laughs>